Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path After Party 43. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Getting way up there. I don't yeah. know why I did the dun, dun, dun. It's not that very, it's not that dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. Because it's the last after party. Which what? is <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> No, Which is maybe not. slightly easier to say than uh, saying the after party that covers episodes 127, 128, and 129. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mech suit. That's all the covers <laughs> you need. Let's move on. Say, no, I think nope, nope. The, Stuff happened before the mech suit. I was going to say, there were things that happened before that, although mm-hmm. it was, the, it did feel like one of those like set of episodes where like every episode like just was more crazy than the last episode, so... It was, uh, it was a pretty good run for the last three episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, we had fun. Escalated. So episode 127 took us back to the Moftet, having been victorious at the Oasis, um, and getting a bunch of information about basically what, what the history of, I guess, the Sightless Sphinx kind of is, and the... I don't know if schism's quite the right word, but the, I guess, corruption of the youth. Well, it sounds like, you know, hey, it's this place that we live at, but we're not supposed to go in. So the chief's son decided to get all adventurous and took a bunch of them inside. And, well, you know, there was a reason why they weren't supposed to go inside. There's a Glabber Zoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Grants your wishes in a not Awful so way. great way. <laughs> yep, in a super twisted way. Yeah, yeah, it was just so. really sad because it, it, it really plays on that whole thing of like as a teenager when somebody tells you not to do something, you 110% want to go do it. Yeah. Just to be so, rebellious. Yeah, it's sad. Sometimes your parents did actually tell you not to do something because it's dangerous and they meant it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, maybe I was, so was a, just to share a little anecdotal story from my own childhood. Maybe I was the only person that my father told me when I was a little kid, this, told me not to touch the stove. And uh, he did this while the stove was open, and I looked at him, and I looked back at the stove, I looked back at him, and I just stuck my finger out towards it. And he just stood there and watched me as I burned my fingertip, and then told me, that's why I told you not to do it. And I learned something from that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's I'm the only one. person that had a parent that was just like, I'm going to tell you not to do that, and then I'm going to let you experience why you shouldn't. <laughs> I can <laughs> totally see your to dad things. doing that. Oh, mm. uh, no, I tend not to listen to things. That's <laughs> because you have oppositional defiance disorder. So, moral of the story, most of the time when your parents say don't do something, it's probably for a valid reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a couple of rebellious Moftet there. Um, I'm kind of curious because I know the answer for Heather, but I can't remember for the rest of you. Have any of the rest of you ever fought or faced the Clabberzoo before? I think so. I believe so. I don't so. think on the pod, but I think I we have... We've come across one before, but I don't know if we fought yeah. it. I, I recognize like that name. From yeah, that. the name definitely rang a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Although, again, the stat block for the Glabber Zoo is pretty extreme. The Glabber Zoo is insane. This is not yeah. going to be pretty. Well, if we anything have to that fight has it. wish is a bad job. Like, you're yeah. going to have a bad time. You have to be careful with uh, what you guys say. Gabby's just yeah. hanging out in the corner and everything. It's like, yeah, I wish we brought more rope. And it's like 100,000 like- feet of rope <laughs> falls on top of your character. <laughs> it's like the episode Wish from the, uh, I believe, second season of Buffy uh, when Anya shows up. Okay. Okay. No, okay. No, okay. Nobody gets right. that. That's where an she- specific Buffy reference. Anyway, there's your 90s anyway. reference. So, yeah, Glabrazoo, I think, will be kind of an interesting uh I prepared dismissal. Addition. It's, it's again, it's one of those things where they've warned us about it, which makes me even in some cases more afraid whenever they're building it up. Like, you're going to be fighting a Glabber Zoo. Get ready. Like, I'm like, oh, it's going to be really bad. You know, there was a 
just to go on a small tangent here, just because of what Jessica just said, somebody I think posted on our Discord, maybe it's the subreddit, talking about how like Sudi's stunning fist never seems to work, and Hulse's dismissal doesn't work. Dismissal is a great spell, but it requires a will save, which all outsiders are good at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sudi tends to be using stunning fist when he's in melee combat, and most of the time when he's in melee combat, he's in melee combat with something that has good fortitude saves, because yep. those are the things that are actually going to like. Hollis's dismissal would be great against something that actually had a poor will save or Sudi if he was punching a wizard. I think the one time you used it on a spellcaster was Kabek and he had like a 16 constitution or something stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when dismissal <laughs> works, fortunate. it really pays off. Like I oh, can't yeah. It ends a fight. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, I was running uh, I was running Ross through Second Darkness and mm-hmm. I think the party got into a fight. I drew out this gigantic map for everything. I had everything laid out on there and had all the stuff that's ready. And then everyone rolled initiative and uh, our friend Brian's wizard got first initiative and his first action was Belful Polymorph. <laughs> and I rolled I a natural one for a, it was a gray render. Um, I rolled <laughs> a natural one and he was just like sugar glider. And then there's just this little sugar glider goes flying off. And I'm just like, ah, you couldn't have told me you're going to do that before I spent yeah. 20 minutes drawing a map. It, it doesn't work often, but when it does, there is just so much satisfaction in a baleful polymorph. Like uh-huh. that is one of my favorite spells that never works except yeah. like twice the adventure path. Mm. Yep. So uh, into that episode, though, you guys got to uh, Catfolk Village. Yep. Yeah, so that brings us to uh, episode 128, the one with some awkwardness, uh, as we found the Amaran, and we're like, oh, and by the way, Nima's here, and uh, what? How, how y'all doing? I know we made sense motive checks, and we've talked to her and stuff, but I still feel like, I don't know. I, the story she's is, like a double is agent or plausible, something? but unlikely, and, and kind of like, I it's weird. I guess it's my adventure paranoia, is like, this is sus, and I can't put my finger on... Why? So I've just kind of... Why wouldn't they have immediately killed her familiar when she left? Yeah, or something. It just seems... I mean, unless they know that she could just bond with a new familiar, but then she can dismiss that. I don't know. It's just... Something about it is off, and I can't put my finger on why. So I don't know if it's just 20-something years of experience of playing this game that I'm expecting the sudden yet inevitable betrayal, but it's not actually coming, or if I should listen to my instincts because something seems off. Well, but on the plus side, to give credence to her story, she did mention a gear to Leblu going south to, you know, pay amends and all that stuff. And we did find the corpse of a gear to Leblu. So yeah, and it's one of those, like, how would she have known that if she wasn't, if that wasn't a true story? There you know? are gear to Leblu all over this part of the desert who are out hunting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We showed her Maybe. the crest. She didn't describe the crest. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just... I, I'm not 100% vibing. Assuming that that story is true, that also makes the, the whole Baycock gear to Blilu thing even sadder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it does. And that thing is still out there, too. So we have to worry about that on top of the cult. Yeah, there's Yay. still Baycock. And then Sudi, yep. we all got to talk to the leader of the cat folk whose name <laughs> escapes me. Carter. That guy Karat. is so chaotic neutral. <laughs> it was very funny because he's like the last person I would think should be a leader of a bunch of people. There was the valid point that everybody important was at the temple. So yeah, what else are they going to do? I, I remember you guys were like, why are you asking asking these like questions? And I was like, 
I got the vibe from him that he wasn't like a militaristic leader or anybody who was like especially capable. And so it was funny when he was just like, I'm a Cartwright. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my but gosh. Now we know what the creepy bonfire dance was about. It was just yeah. about keeping the thing in the darkness away. It wasn't part of some weird cat folk ritual of doom. It wasn't like some you know, evil It was cult. their own ritual. Yeah. You know, it was just some made up one that, yeah. that they thought was going to help them. Uh, yeah. Isn't that how they all start? Well, the way the Viper described it in Faded Tales, it was like, and then the cat folk in the city knew what was going on. And, uh, like, and it's they like, prepared for right, it. You know, they yeah. had, like, this was yeah. part of the emergency manual whenever the sirens go off. Nope, you know? it was just happened to be yeah. coincidence, which is I mean, hilarious. He's, he was an outsider just trying to interpret what he saw. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, and we sent a message to Falto. <laughs> yeah. And I need to send another message to Falto to find yeah. out what the and he was about to say it was. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Because he's got Stitcher all kind of worried right now. <laughs> yeah. That was so. strange stuff. But uh, but if Kelru had tried to send a sending to us, we wouldn't have gotten it because we're in the guarded valley. Yeah. That's the yeah. that's the, the part about it that kind of like builds some real tension is the fact that like we were like, oh, you know, Kelru could send us one. No, he can't no. because we're in this like obelisk mm-hmm. of non-detection or whatever yep. the effect is that's doing this. Um, so we had ended that episode by uh, getting the key, I guess the amulet of Horus yeah, uh, cool. to go down into the uh, the tomb of uh, another one of just a sex tomb, a <laughs> workshop or something. We're not really well, it didn't sure. End with us getting the necklace. We actually got in there and we explored for a bit. Yeah, that's where I was going. Is and then going inside of there, finding this really cool like statue golem. But wait, it's not. It's radiating magic, but like it isn't a golem. It's a and mech then, suit. Uh, <laughs> discovering it's a mech suit just in time for these like Ubashki lynxes to jump out at us. Which I guess oh, they only Bashki. do if you mess with the statue because the other guy had been using it as storage forever. Yeah, yeah, it must have been the trigger. Uh-huh. So they were, they were coming out of the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll actually let you guys in on something behind the scenes here. And uh, I'm sure that some people that are more familiar with Mummy's Mask may be aware of this. Uh, I actually moved that encounter. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh? Well, I just, I loved the the artwork and the, the iconography that kind of comes with having these Uboshki lynxes and just the idea of these undead guardians and all the rest of that. And... Uh, there's a different encounter that was scheduled to be here, but it's kind of a little droll. And um, the Uboski lynxes were actually in the previous book. Oh, okay. But they were, it was a possible like trap and you would have had to fight them and everything else that you could have triggered while doing your research in the last of the libraries in Tefu before you leave. Oh. I cut it out of there in large part because this was before you'd met Masika, but after Onuris had died. And so uh, it would have yeah. been a rather difficult fight, particularly without a healer yeah. in yeah. the party. And it also would have pushed back introducing Heather's new character for another week. And so I decided to drop the encounter entirely from that. And when I I just had it kind of sitting on the back burner, anytime I have to cut an encounter, but I still like the idea of the encounter, I just put it on the back burner until I see a future encounter that I go, eh, that doesn't really interest me. Let's replace <laughs> it with something funner. Uh, and as long as the challenge rating was the same, and that was an interesting fight that followed up after that. But I guess that's getting into the following episode. That challenge yeah. rating, that experience put us 550 experience oh, points from a level. Oh, oh my really? god! Oh, that's frustrating. If there had been one more cat. XP. <laughs> 
So the first thing we fight, we're going to level up. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. You tell that to the party and then suddenly they just like punch one of the cat folk in the face. But anyways, oh. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, episode 128 was the fight with the Ubashki Lynxes. Lynxes? Lynxi? What, what is the plural of Lynx? 129 was the fight with them. Or 129, yes. Mm -hmm. Episode 129 was the fight with the Ubashki lynxes. I ran away. Well, well, it's one of those things where, like, one thing that has a fear effect, we might be able to save four things that have a fear, you know, shout type thing. It's a lot harder to all of us succeed on that. So that was... I I always have a remove fear memorized for a Masika because a lot of undead have fear auras and fear effects. Mummies have the aura. So it was one of those, I can cast it, but I can't, because Hollis had backed away from the Sentinel. She wasn't in range, so. Which is good, because otherwise I would have been pulverized by those lynxes. Potentially. I mean, just depending on how they decided to attack people. Mm. It was uh, one of the rare times where, like, it would have actually been a, like, if we didn't have the remove fear, it would have been a bad thing to save, because you'd have been the only one left and then getting torn apart by those things. Oh, I would have gotten in the next suit and figured it out. <laughs> yeah, Citra I mean, just yeah. doesn't do well against Ubashki. Uh, uh, Apparently, never... that's your that's your one thing. You know, everybody's got their <laughs> I, one thing that terrifies them. I saved them. the one time, and then after that, it's like I just yeah. Well, I mean, pull it I just rolled in that one. It just happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. yeah, because as as Jordan was kind of mentioning there, you have multiple creatures that are doing the exact same effect. So in essence, what ended up being was their turn came around, and it was roll four times and take the lowest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. And if you're looking at an average of rolling four times and taking a lowest, you're looking at something like a five or lower yep. on your average dice roll. So the inevitability of someone felling was pretty high, uh, even though I think this entire party have decent will saves. I mean, Masika's oh, yeah. got a 16. So I've got Jesus. a 10. Actually, I've got I have a, a 9. 12 against fear effects, so I have a 12. Yeah, I have an 8. There's only one well, worse Well, you have to have nine. a bad stat, so, you know. Yeah. Well, that's also after taking Iron Will. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I have Iron Will also. Masika's fortitude saves are what are crap for her. So. Uh, yeah. Mine, Mine are all balanced, so I don't really have a bad <laughs> save. But uh, it, it, it is one of those, like, just the sheer mathematical statistics is kind of what, what really got us at the end of it. Yeah. Also, there's a. Uh... There's a little something that's going to come up from that fight. And you know what? I'll save that because that's. Uh, no, 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 that. no, no. You can't bring it up and then not yeah, say it. Rude. Yeah, that's just rude. Well, I mean, let's just say that uh, unbeknownst to the party, Citra did fell a fortitude save. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, oh, I'm, yeah I'm sick. Oh, yeah. We get some mummy rot coming <laughs> in tomorrow. We're a mummy. We're back to that. Woohoo. Although I bum, guess bum, Hollis bum. probably understands mummy rot better than Sagira did, so I can't make that joke. Yeah. yeah, if it is mummy, you're gonna ride, become it's, it's gonna turn you into a cat first, and then you become a mummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Come on, Sitra, join me in the mu- be a cat folk. You can become a cat folk, and then we'll cure you. Masika keeps a remove disease memorized, so as long as it, if it's not, I don't have the remove curse though, so hopefully it's not. I mummy have a ride. remove curse. So. Okay, yeah, so, so we, both of us. Can I use my disabled curse on myself? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. could get rid of my own curse. Yeah. <laughs> I always have Remove Curse because it's an abjuration spell and I just leave it prepared. Well, it's one of those like, you know, curses are typically pretty bad. Um, yeah. I was expecting actually a lot more in this adventure path. So at some point it's going to be like you're going to get Mummy Rod or you're going to get some other like, you know, curse in a pyramid or something. So. Well, I also have a plus four versus curses. Mm. So. Well, nice. Yeah. But um, I think overall that fight wasn't too bad. Um, it definitely started out rough with Citra just getting mauled. But I think yeah, after I that, it was torn actually up, okay. 
pretty good. Not as bad as I could have because thankfully, um, since I got that first hit on the one with the minus six, they couldn't get as many off on me as they would have liked. No, that minus six so. penalty is ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I was going to say, we're at the, we're at this stage now where we're like 10th level and every class gets really good. Like this is my like sweet spot where I love playing, you know, about eighth level up um, because like you start feeling like really powerful. Like you can take some pretty decent hits. You can, you know, do a lot of damage and you have some cool abilities. Do you have opportunist yet? No, uh, I think yet. she can get that next level. As of 10th level, she could have gotten it. Yeah, but 10th level was when she got dis- Dispelling Strike. Yeah. Ah. Which was which yep. is arguably, good. It's arguably better than Opportunist if you're fighting Spellcasters. It's true. It doesn't come up that often so far, though. But it was cool that one time. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then we wrapped up that fight with Masika figuring out how to use the uh, Bronze yeah, Sentinel. Yeah, Lorio, and I'm going to keep it for my people. It's an artifact of Chisisek, who was at one time, I can't remember the name of the entire group. We don't know what tribe he was from, but... Yeah, I want to say Yerba, but I don't think that's and right. It's something close to that. So she's going to keep it to help protect her people. Besides, I don't want an artifact of Chisisek just sold to some random who knows. For a commoner, it would be really deadly, but, like, for us, it was just kind of like, okay, I mean, it doesn't... It's good protection, but, like, our kind of our builds and how we, we move around and do stuff, it didn't really work for us. Because we had that whole discussion about, like, what build would it work for um, during the episode that hopefully made it in. I um, still firmly believe that Gunslinger inside of this thing would be unstoppable. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. No, 100%. Or, it would be pretty cool. Or Inquisitor with a heavy repeating crossbow. <laughs> Goodness. Just because you like Inquisitors. I do First wish, off, I just love Inquisitors, but secondly, I do on. wish Narmer was <laughs> small-sized. I'd just let Narmer keep it. Yep. I don't, okay, I don't know what, if I would trust Narmer to be... <laughs> In their we, we cast enlarged person on Narmer, making him small sized. By the rules, then he do he's it. not a person, he's a construct. I mean, he is a person, but by the rules, you know what I mean? Yep. It'd be like letting I Pinky guess. take over the mech suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Brain suit. Hilarious, but probably not the best idea. So that's not going to count against Masika's gold for real, is it? Or else Masika's not getting gold for like the rest of this adventure. I mean, that's up to you guys how you determine that. But I feel like its inclusion in here is as an item that because it is an item that is worth five times as much as any other item that you're going to receive in this book. So I feel it's more like a here's a cool party treasure item, kind of the same way that, you know, the mask is here's a cool party treasure that's also. Yeah, I mean, like I I talked about in that episode, like it may have a gold value, but it's effectively like priceless because of the historical significance of the unique nature of its construction like there's it's hard to quantify how much it would actually even be worth and we even talked about the difficulty of selling it if you did Mm want to just you know turn it into gold maybe we should put the squishy wizard in there (laughs) i don't want to be in there i like moving around (laughs) i'm just teasing I am squishy though. Doors a sudden escape. I don't know. I mean, you you have recently determined that at the very least, if uh, the party needs to go underwater or anything, Masika could could swim around outside the water and then guide the the mech suit with someone inside of it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I can hold my breath because it does work as a submarine. Yeah, I can hold my my breath forever because it's an hour per constitution score. So I can hold my breath for like 14 hours. 
Chi power, activate. But uh, we'd ended that episode with uh, partying with the Amaran. Uh, Sudi had donated some weapons to aid in their defense slash hunting. Yeah, that was nice. Hollis had gotten to send a dream to uh, Serethet to say, I haven't given up on you. Yep. Now, that was something that was glazed over from two episodes before this, where you actually learned a great deal pertaining towards what is happening with Serethet from yep. what you were able to Oh, that's to true. Yeah, we, we did just kind of... Well, no, actually, we yeah, we learned that in episode 128 from Nima. From Nima. Yeah. From yeah. Nima. yeah. So you learned a lot about how, how it's sometimes her, it's sometimes him, and it's sometimes them, is how she yeah. described it. It feels... In my opinion, like she's fighting off the control or trying to, but it's very difficult. I don't you know. know. That's I didn't, why it's I didn't really them. get that impression because if she was fighting off the control, why was she still asking Nima, hey, help us talk to this, you know, Chisset guy? It sounds like she's in control sometimes, but she's not fighting against it. Well, she's drawing her power from it right now. She mm-hmm. is probably being manipulated. Mm-hmm. to think of Hakatep's control in the most positive way possible. Similar to how the mask is not going to show us necessarily the bad things about Hakatep, it's probably very similar where she has seen a side of him that is probably manipulating her, but like a good side to where she's like, oh, this this poor person, I just want to put them to rest. And, you know, doing a couple of evil things is okay because I'm, you know, Nethian. And she's done something to Nethus because she doesn't have her cleric powers anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. What's an that anathema is, to Nethus? It's like destroying magical items. I guess if you just stopped worshiping him. Technically, she is she is trying to destroy magic, several magical items, potentially. Is she? I mean, she'd want to, like, well, by reuniting Hakatep and everything, aren't you basically, like, getting rid of the power, individual powers of the mask, whatever possessed her and the The body? way that the Hachia put that was that you're actually fulfilling the purpose of the items, which is not destroying mm. them in the same sense as, like, dispelling them or whatever. Her argument was using a scroll does is not the same as destroying a scroll, despite the fact that the scroll would no longer have magic. Yeah. I don't know, but she's done something because Nethus isn't giving her power anymore, which is why she was trying to talk Nima into helping them try to talk to Chisisek. Yeah, which is interesting. Because apparently Chisisek is warded in such a way that they're unable to speak with him or raise him. Probably similar to how Hakatep's body was when he was interred. Um, And so they need a similar probably level of magic to do the same thing, like the mask that Sudi wears. Mm Because you'd learn from Nahamra's confessions back in Tefu that they were unable to speak with the spirit of Hakatep, which is why they divided his soul to begin with. Yeah. As a way to get around it. Here's hoping they don't try the same. Well, no, I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to split Chisisek just like they did Hakatep to talk to him. No, it seemed like they were just trying to penetrate that ward. I don't know if they even know how that was done. Yeah, because none of them are members of the the Sacrosanct Order of the Blue Feather. Haven't had haven't talked much about them in a while. It's not like they have an animus; they can't like throw Citra in there and find out. Sure. But yeah, I just I didn't get the impression that Sarathet was an unwilling participant in this because, like I said, well, she she grabbed the heart and it overtook her. I think it's who even knows just might be survival or it might be if you help us do this it'll be better for everyone involved it'll prevent more pain like it's doing the thing that's not good because it might spare people in the long run kind of thinking it's not heroic thinking true 
There's also Find out. there is something that Jessica came really close to touching on there, and I'll go ahead and give it to her. Like this is kind of the direction that I would think of this as, and also I feel like it's a little bit of what Hollis may consider as well, knowing magic such as she does. If Hakatep's spirit is inside of her and is also trying to locate his body and his other pieces, what would be the one surefire way to get Hakatep's spirit out of her and regain control of her own body? Find her body. True. Just give him what he wants so he can have his own body again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And stops ghostwriting her. Well, and Hakatep worships Set, maybe. And so I don't think no, that was the other brother. Set. We no, don't know. Yeah. yeah. We don't actually know. If he was, we like think a that Hakatep might have worshipped Nethys, but then because there was like some Nethysy stuff also in that. Well, remember the fight with the with the duel? It was his brother that was wearing the holy symbol of Set and got mad when Hakatep used magic. Mm-hmm. So, are we sure that those are who they are at this point? I can't remember. Yeah, we knew which one was which by this point. I thought. Well, I think you're still theorizing. Well, it's a, it's yeah. a strong it's a strong belief. Yeah. Okay, so we're still not 100% on it. Still not 100% now. No. Which maybe I, the the, the next vision will give yeah. us more clarity on that. <laughs> well, we yeah. know for sure the older brother worships Set, and we know for sure that the younger brother is a magic user, and Nahamra came and Arcane got the younger... Yeah, and Nahamra came and got the younger brother to take him away to be Pharaoh, while the older brother was getting saddled with that arranged marriage and being sent to the southern border to keep control over the border. It could also mm-hmm. be that Nethys is like, that's not Sarathet down there. That's some, oh, that guy. Nah, he's not my follower. You know, and it's uh, <laughs> going on a little bit of a side tangent because that was a that was a number of episodes ago when you had that vision. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Onuris isn't here mm. because he was sent to the south, which would have been the region of Wati, which is where Onuris's ancestors were. And also Onuris, on, he believed that Hakatep was his great uncle. It was his uh, father's uncle. So that would have also been an explanation for Onurus where his lineage came from and why they were active in the south instead of the north in Sothis. Hmm. Interesting. But, no. but I guess we'll find out more information because we have another vision for the mask, ending it's our true. party early to put on the mask but from Sudi and see what we see. Although it does seem like, a, it does feel like Hollis still has hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, using the dream and everything to, to reach out to Sarathet and hoping, yeah, we haven't given up on you. Yeah. Well, you know, because sometimes you just need, like, someone to urge you to keep fighting. Yeah. yeah. Do we have any emails, Jordan? Why, yes, we do. Heather, what a wonderful segue. <laughs> All right. We've got three emails today that have come in from our wonderful path folk far and wide. Yay, Our folk. first email is from Rebecca in Missouri. Nice. What would Missouri? Missouri. Okay, let's see. Missouri is like mountains, forests. I mean, I've only ever driven through Missouri or stayed in the suburbs with my uncle. Yeah, I mean, Missouri is beautiful. Like, it's really nice out there. Oh, yeah, it's nice. I just, I've only ever driven through. I've never really, like, vacationed there or anything. Um, okay. You know where it's got really nice forests? Keonan. Keonan's nice. Is it hilly in Keonan? Or they is it just border like the Five Kings Mountains, so there's got to be some oh, yeah, towards probably. that edge. Uh, Keonan? Cool. Keonan. Okay. Keonan. Richmond, Missouri is the only U.S. city with a cave restaurant. 
Okay. I, Sorry, I was looking at fun I facts go about Missouri. And eat at the K restaurant. <laughs> so got that on my mind now. Oh, there you right, go. Kansas go. City, Missouri has more fountains than any city in the world except Rome. See, that oh. seems also seems oh. very elvish, you know. True. Yeah, so, some cave cities. Yeah. So yeah. There go, maybe uh, maybe Golden Leaf. Golden Leaf's a very nice city in Kiona that's actually open to people that aren't elves. There you yeah. go. Okay. Golden there you go. I think it's so also like elven or half elven capital of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very nice. So, Rebecca from Golden Leaf writes, Path People, having finally caught up after several months of listening, to the detriment of all my other podcasts, I write first and foremost to thank you for the many hours of quality content. Oh, thank you. You are welcome, Rebecca. I love having female representation in my queue of RPG podcasts and love more listening to a group that exudes camaraderie. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we like each other. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely like we definitely like each other. We've been doing this for two years. If it wasn't apparent, <laughs> we like each other enough to do this even when we're no longer required to be in proximity to each other. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or allowed, for that matter. Uh, yes. She continues. My question is about how to encourage role play and exploring backstories, but perhaps from a different angle. As a player, my GM does great with making combats descriptive and engaging, but our game is sorely lacking role play. We've made it through several books of an AP, and I'm no closer to knowing any of my fellow players' backstories than I was at the beginning. I try to roleplay between combats, but don't necessarily feel reciprocated by the other players or rewarded by the GM. I know my GM listens to some roleplay-heavy podcasts, so they know it is an option, they just don't seem to be able to put it into practice. Maybe I just need to find another group, but I feel like there must be a solution. Any wisdom is appreciated. Talk to your group. Yeah, I was about to say, have you talked Talk to the group? Have you for talked sure. to them and said, hey, I, you know, I've been, you know, trying to get some role playing going on and you guys don't seem to be very into it. And well, maybe not phrase it that way, but just ask them, hey, do you guys mind maybe trying to have some role play and, you know, let the dungeon or the, your GM know that that's what you're trying to do as well. It's like, hey, maybe because Rick does a lot of sitting back and reading about next encounters when all of us are pulling out the red string for Hollis's crazy chart. Yeah. So <laughs> Keep talking, yeah. people. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that sometimes um, me personally, if I want to do a specific role play encounter, and I know that Ross does this as well um, in our Tyrant's Grasp game, that he'll be like, hey, I'm going to. Um, but sometimes I'll look at Sudi and be like, hey, I'm going to go approach Sudi and talk to, to Jordan about this specific thing. Or, hey, I'm going to go talk to Hollis about this thing or we should do this. And, and sometimes, you know, if you just bring up a very specific scenario that you want to act out, act out or role play. Um, sometimes that gives a little bit more, gives them time to think about how they would respond. Cause I think that's, what's hard for some people is that improv part. It's the, Oh, we're suddenly role playing now. And then their brains go blank and they're like, I know my character, but suddenly I can't think of what to say. So if you give them a little heads up, I think mm. sometimes that helps. Do some Googling, find some improv things and play some improv games. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like as a from a GM perspective, the biggest thing is to make space for role play. Mm-hmm. So we tend to take time when Rick is prepping for certain things. So starting combat, um, looking up rules, or, or trying to to find some information as it, as opportunities for us to role play. Um, but there's also as a GM, there is time. There's there's value in you making the space for role play more explicitly, where you do things like Rick does, where he pulls things from our backstory and puts them into, you know, kind of play as a way to kind of 
encourage the role play of our characters. So like going back and having, you know, dream sequences or having, um, you know, person from your past reemerge, things like that can really help kind of propel people to want to role play more because um, there's definitely the, the kind of anxiety and shyness around putting yourself out there, especially your, your own creative work. For a lot of people when they first start and you as the gm kind of helping that by making what they've written part of the story i think is really part of good collaborative storytelling and uh can help a little bit with some people who are a little bit more reticent to, to put themselves out there and there's also nothing wrong with having more than one gaming group if time permits it, i know on our discord we have a ton of play by posts and i think some people get over discord and play you know with roll 20 and things like yeah. that so if you have time and, you know, and you're still, of course, enjoying the AP you're playing with your current group, but you want to play with a group that maybe does a little bit more role playing, there's nothing wrong with having more than one gaming group as long as, you know, you've got enough time for it. Yeah, I think they just started up a Legacy of Fire game and there's like two or three fly free or die games starting that are going to be virtual tabletops. Oh, like there's a ton of games. Nice. But I think like Justin and I both kind of said right there at the very beginning, the best thing to do is talk to your friends and see, mm -hmm. hey, how do you all feel about maybe trying to include some more role playing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as far as uh, speaking to your game master, you might want to just fill out and see whether or not there's other reasons that he is not including more role playing. So, for instance, if he feels that there's a time constraint, he might be trying to keep the party going. So it's get to the next room, get through the next encounter, get to the next room, get through the next encounter. If he doesn't feel people would maintain interest if the campaign went on for more than a year or something like that. Uh, it's one of the advantages to doing the fast XP track where you can drop a bunch of encounters that are just filler encounters anyway, which leaves more room open for role-playing. So, again, communication is key. Talk to everyone and make sure that they're interested in it. Again, if you're in a group and they're just not interested in role-playing, then you might need to find another group. But if you like the group and it's just that they're not being presented with the opportunities to role-play, then I think the group just needs to have a, a good conversation about it. If uh, if it's a bunch of people and they're not sure about role playing or they're a little bit gamey, you can also have the you can talk to the GM about incentivizing people, maybe introducing something like hero points and awarding those for good role play sessions mm. or something like that, just to incentivize people to go out and role play more. If if they're choosing not to do it from a purely you know mechanical standpoint of I'm not getting any benefit out of having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it also comes back to do you want to play with people like that? I don't know. Mm, that's fair, but I think give them a chance because. There, while there are some people who just don't pervert, I think having the conversation is necessary to see if it's it's due to an interest thing or just inexperience. Yeah, yeah. every group is going to be a percentage based on either the RP or the G part of RPG. So some people are more on the roleplay side, some people are more on the game side. I think we tend to have a bit of a 60-40 split roleplay versus game. I think every group is a little different. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there. add in an even additional person, and it changes the dynamic to that. There's not really a wrong way to play this game, so... Well, there is. That's when you steal from other people's characters. And you know what I'm trying to say have... when it comes to <laughs> role-playing or just being, you know, more rules, you know, combat-focused. Neither one that of those are necessarily wrong. As long as you're yeah. all having fun, it's exactly. fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. If and, and on the just the subject of finding another group, if you can find another group that's doing War for the Crown and you want role playing, that's a good way to yep. go. That, that is the, the adventure <laughs> that path. That is the role, role play yeah. adventure path. Mm. All right. And then Rebecca signs off. Thanks again, Rebecca. P.S. For Jessica, I attached some photos of my white silky chicken Tweedledee. <laughs> oh! 
who I think of often when Sugar is doing her oh, thing. Yes, I love them. They're so oh cute. My God. They are so, so cute. I love it. So adorable. Look how fluffy the feet are. It's so fluffy. If this proves if this proves anything about us, all of you should be sending us more pet photos. Uh, (laughs) Just just send me silky chickens. More. I mean, there's a pets. Uh, channel on the Discord. Obviously, I know there is. So feel free to share uh, any more pictures of your silky chicken on the. Uh, so cute, the especially Discord. if they had a little hat on. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> get on that, Rebecca. Buy some tiny cowboy hats. You're halfway to a Hollis <laughs> cosplay. A Barbie hat would work. Yeah, sure. a little Good party news. hat. A Barbie. Barbie, like a Barbie or cowboy a hat. Just a, a thimble. What? Oh, well, I was thinking like Barbie because I know that they yeah. have like little cowgirl Barbies and that's true. You could That's steal true. one of the hats and put them on. All right. So our next email comes from Ryan from Scotland. Uh, I've already Scotland. forgotten. I've already forgotten where we put him, but is it Scotland or Mathis or no? That guess not really. Is it I think we said Bervoy maybe, but I don't remember. Maybe Bervoy. Yeah, remember. I don't remember where because like because uh, Nermathis is more Ireland. I yeah, think. that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the second time that Ryan's written into us, and so Ryan knows where Ryan's Ryan is. Yep. All right, Ryan from Scotland writes, "Hello all. Hope everyone is keeping well and staying safe. Mm-hmm. First off, I am loving your research check stuff you've been putting out." It's been a great Thank help you. for me moving from purely 1E to a mix of 1E and 2E. Oh, yay. That's awesome. great. Because awesome. that is uh, definitely helpful uh, feedback from us because uh, we do enjoy doing that stuff, especially doing it with people live on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's on Twitch if you're hearing it from the Ventures feed. Live every Twitch every other Tuesday. It's, uh, what, can, 7, 7 p.m. Central? Uh, 8. 8. 8 p.m. Central, yeah. 8 p.m. Central. He continues... I've recently changed careers into support work for adults with additional needs, and a few people I work with have interest in TTRPGs. Mm. First off, awesome. bless you. Yeah, for that's, that's amazing. That is so for great. Sure. That is, that is, I have heard very difficult. So, you know, bless yeah. you for, yeah, it's very rewarding, but it's also difficult. So, mm. bless you for doing that. Yeah, that is awesome. I have started a 2E conversion of Rise of the Rune Lords uh, as a therapy aid. Nice. Oh, nice. That's, cool. that's so awesome. That's okay, rad. Okay, that is really rad. Um, yeah. That's super cool. I was wondering if any of you guys had any experience in this way of playing games or had any advice. Wow. Experience, um, no. I Personally, yeah. no. I mean, I look forward to playing every week because it's, I mean, it's my own form of personal therapy, I guess. As weird as that sounds. Yeah. It's very, it's my relaxing me time, as stressful as the games can be some, sometimes. But Some people a, go to the spa. Some people get massages. Heather... Role plays. To be an orc, yeah, you know? it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, but in a professional capacity, no. But I think it could be an amazing tool. That sounds so cool. I mean, I mean I, again, never professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, definitely write and tell us how it works yeah. out because that's super interesting. Just because I've never heard of that before. Um, so it, I, I'm very interested in that as, like you said, as a therapy aid and seeing kind of like what comes of that because like I could see it being very helpful to like you know kind of depersonalize and role play through things and so I'm, I'm just really interested in seeing how that works yeah yeah I'm curious how that's going to work in an adventure path like uh, Rise of the Rune Lords I there's some of it I think you would need to edit around particularly in book three probably it depends yeah, on what probably it depends on exactly what special needs you're talking about if it's more socializing people or if it's I mean, that was a pretty vague description of the job, right? But 
I think it might be worthwhile to do if you've ever seen anything by Dimension 20, they run they all they do homebrew and it's a different system. But what they do really well is everything is hyper character focused and there are there are episodes of that show that feel like a therapy session for the player uh, because everything is designed to work through character issues. So it may be, you know, you could take a leaf from us on how we cooperate and a leaf out of that book for how things are designed to help grow characters. If that's the kind of thing you're trying to get people to work through, you know, how do you talk to other people and how do you um, navigate kind of social situations, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's also a uh, uh, organization called Take This that uh, is all about incorporating gaming in. Uh, they're primarily about suicide prevention, but mm-hmm. uh, they are very much into mental health and using Dungeons and Dragons as a therapy, which could easily translate over to Pathfinder as well. Sure. So uh, they have a whole lot of support stuff. I think it's just takethis.org. And uh, they've got a lot of great blog posts and content and everything. I heard about them a while back on uh, Geek and Sundry because I think mm. they were on one of the Geek and Sundry shows just talking about their outreach and their programs. And so there's cool. a lot of material out there. I think it's you will, of course, know the people that you're working with better than anyone and figuring out what works best for them and whether or not they need something lighthearted or they need something serious or they need something that's more comparable to the experiences that they themselves are working through. So regardless though, I'm always happy to hear that there's someone out there willing and able to provide that level of help. So yeah. Um, so me personally, I have not gotten to incorporate it on a professional standpoint, but I always wanted to. Uh, before I got out of the classroom, I actually wanted to use this program called Classcraft, mm. where um, you basically your students get to create characters and avatars, and it's kind of how you set expectations for your classroom and stuff like that. Um, they can do quests and all this really fun stuff that relates to to RPGs and I was always honestly very disappointed that I didn't get to employ Classcraft but um, I, I still occasionally like Google it and think hey you know if I ever went back to the classroom I would totally use this. They were at Games for Change a few years back when I went for work and uh, Games for Change is a cool convention about how gaming can change the world through mental health and mm-hmm. simulation. They have a lot of helping. SEL, social emotional learning. Yeah, it's very stuff, cool. Yeah. But Classcraft has come a long way since I was in the classroom. It you oh, can yeah. design quests and stuff, so yes. I, I might be worth looking into. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely. And it has a, um, a matchup with uh, Google now with Google Classroom. Oh, that's right. Oh, really? Oh, that's I nice. <laughs> I, I, like I said, occasionally I go back and I look at it because I get the little itch of, oh, I could go back in the classroom. And then COVID hit and I was like, not right now. I'll keep doing what I'm doing and helping the <laughs> teachers that are already fighting the good fight because um, oh, yeah. that's where I could help. <laughs> but uh, that that would be something cool to look into. So Ryan signs off. Thanks again for all the good work you do, Ryan from Scotland. Oh, thank you. And, and thank you for thank all the you. good work yes, you do. Exactly. Thank yes. you for all the good work you're doing. doing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's that's crazy good. Definitely let us know how that all works out. So our third and final email comes from Jonathan. 
Hey, Find the Path crew. I'm Jonathan from Houston or Long Shadow if I'm in Galarian, so he's not hey. too far away. Hey. <laughs> what up? So I have one question, one comment, and some praise. Comment first. Okay. I'm sure someone else let you know, but just in case they didn't, Jessica made a small mistake in episode 125. Hollis could learn Transmute Stone to Mud as it's a fifth level spell for a wizard. Hmm. Ooh. Could, but hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> could, but, d- that, but hasn't. Get that on your list for the future. Eh, yeah. Maybe. I got a lot of fifth level spells right now. I need to, I looked at fourth level the other day and I was like, I have like 10 fourth level spells. I need to get some more fourth level spells. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of Look at the wizard over level. here being like, I only have 10 spells. And the sorcerer's like, I have three. <laughs> uh, I have a million of all the, I have so many of other levels. It's just something about fourth level. I just stopped looking at fourth level when I bought spells, I guess. Oh, well, you're just slowly climbing your way up to getting six level spells soon. So It's true. I have two. I have a six level and a seventh level spell that I'm ready to put in my spell book. You know? Nice. Oh, there you go. I have. Nice. Uh, Stone to flesh, <laughs> and I have uh, <laughs> like a mage's magnificent mansion or whatever. Yeah, I, I was gonna say you've been talking about that one for a bit. I am ready to have a portable mansion with unseen servants. That's what I want. <laughs> wow. Okay. I have it. It's in my spell book, hanging out, waiting for me to have seventh level spells because you I just, purchased. I don't know scroll. why that just suddenly reminds me. Small tangent here. You know, I read a lot of like turn of the century fiction and weird fiction stuff and short stories. And in all those, it's always like, I'm a poor man who's dedicated to my art and and writing and all the rest of that. You know, the other day when I was at home and my servants were on a break, I was (laughs) sitting out in my garden. I'm like, seriously? (laughs) You can't be a starving artist and have servants. Shut up. Alice has never, never said she was a starving artist. (laughs) So anyway, that just reminded me of that, where it just always upsets me whenever I read about that. (laughs) Anyway. Goodness. So, uh, Jonathan continues, I'm going to be visiting Dallas in January, so my question is, can you recommend any game stores for me to check out when I'm over there? Yes. Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, look up Madness Games. I would call it the gaming mecca of, of North Dallas. It has... Everything from Magic the Gathering, Pathfinder D&D, um, T-shirts, squishables, like just nerd, it's got a little you know, bit of everything. geek culture and stuff for everybody. So They've many got board cosplay, games. you know, uh, stuff. I mean, it's like everything. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, they lean a little bit further away from tabletop gaming recently, but. Yeah, yeah. that's unfortunate. Which is sad, but mm-hmm. I get it. Go where the money is. There's, there's, also, a com- there's also comic books and. There's open, oh yeah, I forgot the there's half yeah. the store is just comic books. And there's they've got ha, like it's a pretty big store, and they've got a bunch of dedicated gaming tables for like I've seen people playing D and D in there. They play Magic. Some people do Warhammer. People play board games. So you know if you're bored, you might be able to hop in on a game with somebody too. You just I can't help but just feel happy when I go in there because I see all this cool stuff like collectible figurines that I'm never going to buy because I'm I don't, I don't collect figurines or anything but like you know <laughs> giant you know stuffed animals and they've got like fun stuff like paints and you know things like that so there's I mean there's a whole like just a, a whole like not like a wall but like a whole shelf of just dice and yep. so you can go through and look at different sets of dice and find the like the right one for your character so it's always fun times. Yeah, and I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet, but uh, I do plan on checking out the RPG Dungeons in Carrollton. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been over there yet either. And it's actually, you can rent the table, and the, each table has like a yeah. TV set in it, and it has yeah. all the stuff you would need. It's really oh, cool. What? Where they've is got projectors. It? They've got 
It's in Carrollton. It's in Carrollton. But yeah, so if you're looking to uh, to game or something like that while you're here, I don't know if they do. Uh, you might check through Warhorn and see if they are doing any like society mm-hmm. games or anything like that. I know that Madness Their does that sometimes. I don't too. know if RPG Dungeons does too, but. You RPG think Dungeons, would. I think, has a schedule that they list as well. Mm. So you can just look at their website. And the uh, the RPG Dungeons says uh, every weekend that they offer game uh, sessions by uh, house GMs. Cool. So you can just call ahead and see what they're running and playing and everything else. And maybe getting a, a, get a fun game with a fancy table and all the rest of that stuff while you're up here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, last uh, shout out for, for gaming stuff. I have a fraternity brother of mine uh, from college who owns uh, Boardwalk Games. Um, what? Which they is- own Boardwalk Games? That? Yeah. That's yeah. so close to that. us. <laughs> we should go say yeah. hi. I, I really should say <laughs> hi at some point, but I'm antisocial. But, uh, I yeah, didn't no, know he- that they owned that. I didn't know you know the, knew the person that owned yeah, that. Yeah, w- Will Buck is the owner of that, and that's, that's a, awesome. a fraternity brother of mine. <laughs> I've never so, heard this before. Yeah, so Why haven't go. we gone there? Uh, I don't know, because I'm awkward and I don't want to run into him. <laughs> oh, my God, Jordan. He's your frat brother. You should want to run into him. I know, but it's weird, man. You I'm can a have a friend guy. that's not us. Yeah, Jordan. <laughs> hey, technically Aww. speaking, I used to have a lot of friends that weren't you guys, but then, like, you know, since we started hanging you. out all the time, and I realized y'all were cooler than them, so, you know. Whatever. I thought you Jordan was going to say, technically speak- speaking, we're married now, so we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't marry all of you guys. We had a weird relationship, man. It was a very strange wedding, yeah. There was a lot of yeah, yeah. I do's, just like four or five of them. <laughs> We all drank out of the same cup. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, we didn't. Goodness. This is they COVID think times. It was a wedding. It was really just a ritual. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> and then from the sea, we returned. <laughs> goodness. I mean, I true fact, pictures. we did walk into the ocean at our wedding. That but, was awesome. Yeah. That was That's a great. thing. We ran, actually. Um, to, uh, to get us back on track, though, Jonathan continues, Heather, Jessica, Jordan, Rachel, and Ross, I wish I could find fellow players like yourselves who really commit to their characters to game with. Aw, thank you. I don't care that you, this makes you uncomfortable. You're a great GM, and you inspire me to be a better GM on the occasions that I'm behind the screen. Keep up the good work, everyone. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. Join us on the Discord, and you might get to play with me and Ross, or maybe even Jordan. I was gonna say, yeah, we, we actually do play uh, in a couple of games. On, I play uh, a pretty regular Starfinder game that Sarah Goodcouch runs, and all yeah, sorts I, of play I play posts. I play all VTT stuff. I'm not in the play by posts. Um, I think Ross is in some play by posts mm-hmm. and maybe some VTT stuff. Mm-hmm. I just keep plugging that Discord. Go to our Discord. Go to our Patreon. You know, hang out with us. Be our friends. Yes. So that is the end of all of our emails. Thank you guys so much for writing in. I I really like always yeah. reading these emails and. Uh, you know, getting good questions from everybody, so keep them coming. And that brings us to casting a deity. Deity. What am I bouncing? All right, then. I suppose go ahead and bounce me a d10, and we'll d10. see what we got. I have rolled a six. All right. Should be interesting. And uh, also, I'm going to say very minor spoilers, maybe for Wrath of the Righteous. And I think a little bit Return of the Rune Lords. Today we're going to be casting Nocticula, the Redeemer mm. Queen. Ooh, okay. For most of her existence, Nocticula was a patron of assassins and succubi, a demon lord feared by other demon lords for her skill at assassinating the competition. Those days are behind Nocticula, for she has risen to the role of the Redeemer Queen, a patron for marginalized artists and protector of those cast out from society. 
She is now feared among her former peers for her persuasive words that tempt them away from their place in the abyss and towards redemption. Her faith is strongest in the eastern reaches of New Thassalon, where her most powerful exile, Queen Sorshin, seeks to build a nation that welcomes those whom others have cast out. Uh, Nocticula dwells in a remote archipelago known as Midnight's Palette. She encourages her worshippers to welcome pilgrims, refugees, and strangers. Those who seek to abuse those open borders are counted as the greatest enemies of the church. Nocticula teaches forgiveness and encourages her followers to give their foes opportunities to repent, but rescinds mercy for those who take advantage. Interesting. What is her alignment then as a deity? She is chaotic neutral now, since she has ascended up from being chaotic evil. Ah, interesting. Okay. Cool. Cool. I already have my selection made. I think I have mine. I went through like six choices, but I think... All right, I'm going to go first. Mm -hmm. So, uh, based on the artwork, she's got kind of like a flirty little grin kind of going with her, uh, which immediately made me think of Emma Stone. (laughs) So... (laughs) I, uh, I really like Emma Stone as an actress. I think it'd be interesting to see her in something where she's not necessarily a good person. <laughs> so, mm. could be interesting. All right. Okay. Heather. Tilda Swinton. Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was one of my choices. I can see it. Just because Tilda, she's got such a great range. Like, she can do those, like, dark, creepy yeah. roles, but she can also be, you know, kind of the nice and ethereal. And so I could see her kind of being able to do both sides of that personality you know she did that in Constantine mm-hmm. where kind of the beginning mm-hmm. she was yeah. the good angel mm-hmm. and at the end not so yeah. much yeah I just don't see her as a succubus well she's not really a succubus anymore <laughs> well yeah but she no. was she still kind of looks like it I mean yeah. she, does, she kind of looks like one but not really anymore well she kind of has that androgyny thing going on too which could also work for you know a succubus temptress type thing so hmm. That's my that's my vote, Tilda Swinton. Okay. Monica Bellucci. That gorgeous woman is perfect for this part. If you don't know who she is, you need to go watch Brotherhood of the Wolf right now. And she is the uh I, I don't want to really describe it, but let's just say she's a lady of the night and she is amazing in that movie. She's <laughs> absolutely wonderful. And if you've seen her in also other stuff too, like her range as an actress is wonderful. I mean, she was in the latest James Bond. She was in Matrix Reloaded. Like she's, I, I love her. I love Monica Bellucci. Okay. Camilla Mendez is Veronica in the new Riverdale show. And she looks like she could murder you, but she can look super nice and helpful hmm. yeah, I could see it she hmm. has like a really piercing kind of gaze that I think yeah Nocticula probably has yeah I could see it I could see it I'm still gonna go with Monica Bellucci but I can see it <laughs> I'm still gonna go with my choice yeah. I mean yeah all right, so I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with an actress that I'm a pretty big fan of and I think I'm thinking about her more from a movie that I know not as many people have seen but I'm going to go with Alicia Vikander who was uh, she was Laura Croft in the new Tomb Raider reboot that mm. they did like 2018. But if anyone has ever seen Ex Machina, is she is oh, the, yeah. the android central character in Ex Machina who does this amazing job of being off-putting but very sympathetic, but just a little bit dangerous and possibly psychotic. Yay! <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, she, she was um, uh, she was also in that movie with Army Hammer and Harry Cavill. Um, oh. 
the spy movie. Oh yeah, the uh, man, uh, from man from Uncle. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was yeah. the main actress in the Man from Uncle. Uh, yeah. I think she, is she married or is she just? She's, she's married to Michael Fassbender. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Yes, yeah. The man with the world's most awkward smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised he hasn't been cast as anything. I, oh, we've I put him really up for like something for before. Yeah, he's put up for something at least once. But yeah, Alicia Vikander, who's uh, phenomenal. Well, I know she originally made her career in uh, Swedish film. Yeah, because she's from Sweden. She's Swedish. Cool. But yeah, I just just love her. If you uh, have not seen, (laughs) if you have not seen Ex Machina, Ex Machina is a great Uh, movie. Yeah, that is a fantastic movie. That also has... um, Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs. Thank you. I was about to say Poe Dameron, but I was just like, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's who I cast as the Viper, too. And I still think that one was spot on. Nah. So... With that oddly, like, I'm sorry, any time that I think of Oscar Isaacs, if I'm not thinking of Poe Dameron, all I'm thinking about is him doing that dance scene or whatever it was in Ex Machina that was super weird. Oh, yeah, yeah where that he's was just weird. Like, yeah, I think he's, like, drunk and high and, like... He's, like, drunk and high and just dancing around. Yeah. Uh, also, Oscar Isaacs can really pull off the beard. He really should mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, that well. Now, those are our choices, Pathfolk. Go to the yep. subreddit and vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vote, vote, yes, vote. Cast your vote, vote for Nocticula, mm-hmm. the Redeemer Queen. Monica Bellucci. Yes, and with that, I think it's time to say goodbye. Yes. And it's sad. I don't want to yeah. say goodbye yet. Oh, my God. It's not like it's goodbye forever. <laughs> we'll be back. I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. I don't. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go. No, we're uh, just going to think of all the sad things like Doctor Who and and Marvel. Uh, no, no, no. Why? why? So we will have to say arrivederci. Uh, goodbye, Path Folk. And stay safe out there. Love one another. And keep listening to Find the Path. Yes. Check out so our Discord and, and, and our Patreon and the Reddit and Twitter. There's lots of ways to keep in contact with us. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.